as you read through these these verses, verse 1 to 11, you find Jesus meeting with different people in many different situations, different kinds of people in different situations. And how many different kinds of attitudes do you see towards Jesus in these verses? As you read through them, you see people from different backgrounds, uh, different ways of life, been following Jesus, some of them being in a good way, others have been antagonistic against him. You see a number of different attitudes among the people. And that's something that still exists to this day and always will. There's always differing attitudes towards Jesus. And we're going to just throw out some of the different attitudes that we see in these verses and think about them. But even as we were hearing about the holiday club, we were hearing that the number of children coming in, so many coming from different kinds of backgrounds, different homes, different families, even different faiths, as we were hearing. And there's a blessing and a privilege to be able to share the gospel with them and, and realizing that there will be different kinds of attitudes maybe towards uh, what their background is, even what their, maybe their understanding at the moment is of Jesus. But what's been so encouraging is, is seeing them all together and their attitude being one of willingness, of being involved, engaging with it, enjoying it, and listening to what is being said, listening to the talks, listening to the dramas, listening to different leaders sharing the gospel with them in different ways, and then taking that message home with them. An invitation is going out with them in these days to a family service this coming Sunday morning. And our prayer is that as the word goes out, and as it always goes out in different ways, that attitudes towards Jesus will change. We all have different attitudes in life. Some things we maybe have the same thoughts towards, and other things we may differ. You think of foods and different kinds of foods that we have different attitudes towards. People often speak of Marmite, and you either love it or you hate it. I guess the local equivalent of Marmite would be Guga. You either love it or you hate it, one or the other. And although there are areas in life where we may differ in our attitudes towards something, some things, there's one thing that will truly set us apart. And that is our attitude towards Jesus. And in these verses that we've read, if you're thinking of the kind of attitudes that you're seeing towards Jesus, they probably weigh heavy towards a negative attitude towards Jesus. And it's not just among those who we would not be surprised that that's their attitude, those who are already antagonistic towards Jesus. But you see it even among, among those who are with Jesus and following Jesus and listening to Jesus. And there's a lesson in that for us, always to be on our guard, always to keep ourselves focused on Jesus and in a close relationship with him. But among these negative attitudes towards Jesus, there's one positive one that stands out in the midst of these verses. And that is an attitude of, of pure love towards Jesus. And that's what we see uh, in verses uh, 4 through to verse 9 there. 
when this woman comes with an alabaster flask, a flask of perfume, and anoints Jesus with it, there was an attitude towards her that was very negative uh, from the followers of Jesus. But Jesus himself says in verse 6, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing for me. Then in verse 8, it goes on to say, she has done what she could. She has given everything for Jesus. And it follows on from chapter 12, at the end of chapter 12, where you have that short passage about the widow's offering. There were those who were rich, who were giving us, in the eyes of many, what was generous. Uh, but Jesus saw it differently. In verse 44, it said, for they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. You see, her attitude there, the widow's offering, her attitude was one of giving everything for Jesus, a love for Jesus, the same as this woman who anointed him uh, with this perfume. And so we want to just think about these attitudes towards the Lord Jesus and how we pray attitudes that are hard towards Jesus would change. When we think of what Jesus has done for us, when you hear a verse like this, greater love hath no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Here we are in this passage just days before Jesus' death, before he gave his life as a ransom for many. What would you do if someone gave their life for you? It happens in everyday life where people put themselves before others in order to save them. Sometimes it's maybe going into the sea to rescue someone and they lose their life in so doing. It happens. And if it happens, you've always got a connection towards that person who has given their life for you. They've saved you and you owe them so much. But do we realize what it is with Jesus? Who saved us from the consequence of sin. Who saved us so we might have an eternity with him. And what's our attitude when we hear that for ourselves? That's what we were looking at today in the holiday club, that Jesus gave his life on the cross. Now, these young souls, that their families, that all our communities would hear of his love for his people, that he gave his life, and that our attitudes would change or be changed towards him. So here are some of the attitudes that we see in this passage. There's three negative ones before we come to the attitude of this woman who poured out this ointment, this perfume. And the first is this, there's a hatred towards Jesus among some. You keep hearing in the Gospel of Mark about the chief priests and the scribes. They were always around Jesus, wherever he was going, but it wasn't in a positive way. They were always trying to catch Jesus out, to get him to say something that they could hold him accountable to, something that they could punish him for. They were trying to trap him. It's almost like you've got one final 
reminded here of just what kind of attitude they had towards Jesus. It was two days before the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And look at what it says of the chief priests and the scribes. They were seeking how to arrest him by stealth and kill him. It's no longer just trying to catch him out. They're looking for a way to kill him, to get rid of him. And why would they have this hatred? We'll ask ourselves today, why does the world hate Jesus so much? Why do we hear Jesus being ridiculed so much in our society? Why do we see such venom towards Jesus? Because people don't like one who would have authority over them in any way. Here, Jesus is a threat to the scribes and the Pharisees, to their way of life, to their lifestyles. Everything that they have in life is under threat because of Jesus. Jesus has exposed them, their hypocrisy. They've claimed to be spiritual and godly men. But Jesus has proved otherwise. He's shown that they're selfish, out for themselves, for their own gain. They're nothing but religious phonies. And Jesus made a fool of them in front of others. And they're not going to stand for this. This has been the last straw for them. Now they're just looking for a way to kill him. They're upset that Jesus is affecting their business. The religious leaders controlled the temple and everything that happened at the temple. The commerce, the buying and the selling, it was all in their hands. You remember on occasion, Jesus went in and overturned the tables. They've turned it into a den of iniquity, he says. They've, they've just brought everything into disrepute in the temple. Because they were charging a fee for the people to sell there, and for the money changers to be in there. And if there was profit made, they would take a percentage of the sales. They were in it for the money. And Jesus is threatening all of that today. So they just want rid of him. If we ask ourselves today, why do people hate Jesus? Well, it's because God's word, his law, is a threat to them. It's not something that's more precious than gold, as the psalmist describes. It's something they just want to get rid of. Because the Bible, the word of God, tells us to do things differently so often to what we would want to do of ourselves. The Bible says the Lord's Day Sunday is a day of rest and worship. Well, that spoils our weekend plans. If we see in the Bible, it tells us to love our enemies and to forgive those who have done wrong against us. It goes against what we want for them naturally in our heart. We just want people punished who have hurt us. If the Bible tells us to give to the Lord's cause, we say, well, how dare they? It's my money. I can do as I please with it. When the Bible tells us that certain things or certain lifestyles are wrong, but we enjoy them, we get upset because that's the way we want to live. We're not going to listen to the word of God. And so there is this hatred that arises towards Jesus. Jesus interferes with our lives so much that we just want rid of the scribes and the Pharisees, 
even though they've heard and seen the good things that Jesus was doing, they've heard his teaching towards them. No, they want rid of him. And so that's the kind of attitudes that we see to this day as well. Attitudes all around us here in our own town. There's people who just have this hatred towards the gospel, towards Jesus. So we pray that God will transform that the gospel will come in and melt these hearts, hearts that are so angry towards Jesus. We also see an attitude among those who are already with Jesus, those who are following Jesus. His own disciples were in the midst of this crowd that we read of that were in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper. He was here reclining at the table. And we see a wrong attitude is not confined to those who are openly against Jesus. Even Jesus' followers can have this wrong attitude. It's almost like it's a half-hearted love towards Jesus. They're not, they're not all in. And you, you see that in the way they react to this woman pouring out the perfume on Jesus, this costly perfume. How would you feel if someone came into your house, picked up your favorite perfume or aftershave, and just started scattering it all over the house. You've paid maybe good money for that, and they're just wasting it just so the place will smell nice. Well, when you look at this incident here, not everyone appreciates what the woman is doing. Not everyone thinks the Lord is worthy of this, almost you would say. Because again, there's this thing that comes between the Lord and ourselves. And it's this idea that, hold on a minute, we could have got money out of this. This was an expensive perfume. We could have, it's, it's worth a year's wages, we understand when you hear the sums spoken about 300 denarii. That was, a denarii was a day's wage, so you're nearly a year's wage here. Imagine spending that money on a perfume in the first place. Very often it would be done for, for burial anointing. But then to just pour it out in this way just seemed so extravagant. And that's this idea that following Jesus is fine up to a point. When things are comfortable for us, we're okay. But extravagant worship and going the extra mile, things just become more complicated then, and our heart's not fully in it. In the Gospel of Mark, you see the rich young ruler who was challenged to sell all that he had and follow Jesus. But because he was rich, he went away sad because he couldn't give it up. Following Jesus was, was too difficult. And when we see people around us, and even ourselves, that's always a danger of just enjoying Jesus for a time. We can enjoy it, like we see in the holiday club. We can enjoy things together in our comfort zone for a week. But our prayer should be that as the young ones, as their families go on, week after week, month after month, living in our communities, living in the difficulties of the society we face today, that they will be bold to stand up for Christ, to put their trust in him, and to see that what Jesus has done for us deserves our all. 
when you consider what God has given to us in Jesus Christ. You read in 1 John 3, verse 1, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. Lavished means nothing spared, nothing held back. And yet our attitude is one of holding back, of not giving everything for him. It can apply in so many ways of our lives. But how do we want to be remembered? This woman, it says that wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. And it still is and always will be until the Lord's return. We will speak of this woman who gave everything. But what of us? How will we be remembered? as fully committed to the Lord or as just half-hearted followers. I read once a comment of someone who had been walking around a graveyard in England once, many years ago, but he noticed two gravestones and just how different they were. One gravestone said this, here lies a miser who lived for himself. He cared for nothing but gathering pelf, an old word for money. Now where he is or how he fares, nobody knows and nobody cares. Such a sad reminder of a life obviously lived in not the best way. Then he noticed another gravestone and said this, sacred to the memory of Charles Gordon, who at all times and everywhere gave his strength to the weak, his substance to the poor, his sympathy to the suffering, and his heart to God. <coughs> what a difference. What a contrast. And what is your attitude like in that? Are we half-hearted or are we all in for the Lord? There's another attitude we see here in a negative way as well, and that's of Judas Iscariot. Treachery towards Jesus. The danger of half-hearted love is that it becomes so hard and so cold that we end up just turning away from Jesus completely. It wasn't enough for him to complain about the pouring out of the ointment in such an extravagant way he turned completely against the Lord. He went to the chief priests to betray Jesus. It's one of the saddest accounts in Scripture. In these few verses, just two verses here, you read at the end of them, he sought an opportunity to betray him. How sad is that? turned his back completely on the Lord. Our prayer is that there will be no one who would end up like that. But sadly, it happens. There's a darkness in our world that we need to pray against. Treachery towards Jesus. He just turned his back on him. But there's one other attitude, as I mentioned here, 
And that's the attitude we should long for in all of our hearts. This attitude of the woman who gave everything for Jesus, who anointed him with this costly fragrance, this alabaster flask that she poured out over his head. Many turned against her for this, but Jesus didn't. And he said to her there in verse 6, Leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing for me. And it's wonderful that what we do for the Lord, that he would see it as beautiful. Just the little things that we do. The helping in any way we can. And there has been many beautiful things done for the holiday club this week. There's been many beautiful things done for people day after day, just the little things done for the Lord's sake. And that's where we show our love towards Jesus. This woman, she was making a statement. She was making a statement in a very difficult situation. In front of all the disciples and others in the room, she was showing that her love was for the Lord. She was committed to him. She broke this flask. There was no turning back. All its contents were poured out on him. She was making a statement about his value to her. That he meant everything to her. She was making a statement about her value of herself. She was saying, I love you so much. I don't care what anyone else thinks about my expression of this extravagant love towards you. And she was making a statement about her possessions. Nothing else matters in this world to me except you, Lord. What a powerful reminder to us. Her attitude was one of love. And love so bold. Love so extravagant, love so deciding for the Lord. And that our hearts would have that love. And that we would see others coming to show that love towards Jesus himself, young and old alike. There's a poem by a man called Francis Xavier and says this, my God, I love thee, not because I hope for heaven thereby, nor yet because who love thee not are lost eternally. Thou, O oh my Jesus, thou didst me upon the cross embrace. For me didst bear the nails and spear and manifold disgrace, and griefs and torments numberless, and sweat of agony. Yea, death itself, and all for me who was thine enemy. Then why, O blessed Jesus Christ, should I not love thee well, not for the sake of winning heaven, nor of escaping hell, not from the hope of gaining aught, not seeking a reward, but as thyself has loved me, O ever-loving Lord, so would I love thee, dearest Lord, and in thy praise will sing, solely because thou art my God and my most loving King.
That's the theme we've been looking at this week. Who Jesus is, the Son of God, my most loving King. That's what we shared with the young people. And that's what we remember ourselves, the great love of Christ for us, that deserves an extravagant love from us. May our attitude be one of love towards him because he first loved us and gave himself for us. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your love towards us. We thank you for the great reminder and powerful reminder of love towards you from this woman who poured out the ointment on your head, even before your crucifixion. We thank you for the way the word says it will be spoken of whatever the gospel is proclaimed. We thank you, Lord, that there is that attitude of love towards you because you loved us first. And we pray that you will give us that loving heart towards you to serve you with all our hearts, to do all for your glory and for your sake. So may you continue with us, bless us and keep us as we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.